In this um, podcast, we're going to be talking about logical markets. A logical market is a market based on logic, on doing that which makes the most sense in terms of creating value. Logically, if we do what we want to do and produce the impacts that we would like to produce, it will be something that we value. So a logical market is a market that creates value. It makes sense then to view logic in terms of an economic theory. Once you understand logic is or creates something with value, when we do what is logical, we do what creates value. This still may not be obvious, so let's unpack this. If we value truth and truth is logical, then human beings must of necessity value logic. If logic and logical thought has no value, then truth and reason can have no value, and that is not logical. In other words, we cannot comprehend a situation in which humans would not value truth and think that it, i.e. logic, has value. The market is simply the environment in which values are established. Logic may not have a market value in the sense that one could sell logic to another person. At the same time, a theory based on logic will have value in that it will be used preferentially to a theory that is rational and produces poor results over and over again. We can focus this argument even more. Logic as a study of words and concepts in terms of their meaning interrelations will result in logical activity creating economic activity simply because creating value is a by definition economic activity. In other words, one cannot be logical without this impacting the economy in a positive way. It would not be logical for a person to act in a logical way and yet this have no impact on the economy. If we are going to act logical, if we act logical, it will impact the economy. If it does not impact the economy and create something of value, it cannot be logical. It doesn't make sense to be involved in something that produces nothing that no one wants. Therefore logic of necessity is practical. It's it's uh, an applicable. And if it's not applicable, if it does not result in practical application, it's not really logical. This is very important to grasp. And this is why we can create a logical market. Because a logical market creates things of value by us acting logically. So therefore, logic in and of itself, as a study of words, must produce a logical model of the economy. The only way this could not be so is if we assume the economy is not logical 
and economic activity does not produce value. That's a logical process of seeking value. This has implications that cannot be ignored. Logical markets must reject the need for government intervention as a logical necessity. How can we seek logical outcomes if this process is overseen by a regulatory body such as the state? A logical market provides an objective method of evaluating progress. If this is so, the role of the state is redundant. Dexterian investments provides an economic model and market that overcomes the problems that have, until now, required the state. As such, Dexterian investments proposes a new ownership model that does not require the state's regulatory function. The state does not need to legitimize the ownership of property, nor defend it. The private enterprise ownership model requires the state both to protect it and adjudicate competing claims. This means private ownership is not logical. Logical systems are not open to being disputed. Capitalists claim they are opposed to the state, but if capitalists succeeded in eliminating the state, they would need a new model of ownership because their model of private ownership is not logically defensible. The Dexterian ownership model is based on voluntary associations called Dexterian exchanges. Exchanges are nothing more than a few people helping one another in a formal way. Exchanges model charity. Exchanges are the manifestation of the biblical injunction to love one's neighbor as oneself. Exchanges are self-validating and self-governing. Exchanges do not require governments to legitimize their existence. It is a mistake to associate a market with a need for companies to produce profits. Markets exist to complement and advance specialization. Free markets mean the buyer and seller set their own prices. The crucial factor in an economy is two persons with complementary specialities. If the market is not composed of persons with complementary specializations, the market is an illusion. Dexterian markets, or exchanges, are markets designed by complementary producers. A medium of exchange is used in an exchange, but exchanges view money as a unit of account used to record debits and credits. The total number of currency units divided into the exchange capital equals the value of one currency unit. In other words, the assets of the exchange set the value of the capital in circulation. This becomes easier to understand when the way the market is capitalized is understood. An exchange is created by a group of people who have complementary skills. By complementary, we mean they supplement each other. A furniture maker and an auto mechanic will do business, but they do not have complementary specializations. A butcher and a farmer are complementary. A group of housewives who form an exchange to systemize housekeeping chores with transportation and shopping is a complementary market. Anything provided by the present system can be provided by an exchange. This includes public sector goods. The higher the level of consilience, the more effective the market. A high level of complementary activity is seen on a production line. 
dexterian exchanges reduce the inputs required to produce a given level of output. A market is an expression of the complementary value existing between participants. The public sector fails as a market because there is no complementary value between the agents. The following is an illustration of how an exchange might be set up. It is important the complementary value is high within those who capitalize an exchange. Being complementary means there is a high potential for specialization. When skills and interests complement one another, specialization is possible. A group of persons form an exchange, in this incident a clothing exchange, with the mission to reduce costs of clothing for members. The exchange is registered as a not-for-profit charitable institution with a mission to buy and sell members' clothes at reasonable cost. All profits go towards the charitable purpose of the organization. This process is only required to normalize exchange within the present culture. The clothes exchange is a charitable institution owned by members. Each member is entitled to one common share. This is an ownership share and entitles each member to vote at board meetings and to an equal share of profits. The exchange issues charitable receipts for donations received. Exchanges are capitalized by donations from members. Jill provides 10 dresses with a value of $500. Jill is given a charitable receipt for $500. This charitable receipt can be used to lower the tax liabilities of Jill or to purchase preferred shares. Preferred shares are claims on the equity of the clothing exchange. Jill provided 10 dresses. These become assets of the clothing exchange. The dresses have a value of $500. So the clothing exchange has acquired $500 worth of equity. This equity allows the clothing exchange to issue a charitable receipt equal to the value of the donation received. The charitable receipt represents the equity acquired by the exchange. The charitable receipt may be exchanged for 500 preferred shares, each preferred share being valued at $1. Preferred shares represent the equity of the exchange when not taken as a tax rebate. Preferred shares are issued in multiples of each other, the same way conventional currency is. Preferred shares are fully backed by the equity of the organization. Capitalizing a clothing exchange may be done through the sale of bonds and through the accumulation of goods and services in exchange for preferred shares and charitable receipts. We shall, for the purposes of this illustration, assume a clothing exchange is fully operational. This means that a place has been found and financed the business has been organized and registered. Preferred shares have been printed and issued. A board of directors has been voted in. A chair has been appointed by the board. A CEO has been appointed. And he or she has appointed or hired staff. Stock has been acquired, displayed, and priced. All members have donated goods, helped set up the business, provided capital goods and equipment, or done some work of some kind, and so all members have acquired a number of preferred shares, equal to the value 
of what they have provided. Preferred shares are issued as a local currency called prefers. Prefers are currency that produces no debt. Members may also purchase bonds and are, or preferred shares. Preferred shares are referred to as prefers when used as a currency. Deal with 500 preferred shares can purchase 500 prefers worth of clothes or bonds or some combination of both. Members who are employed by the organization are paid a living wage. This could be set at 500 prefers per hour or whatever the exchange decides. Members are hired to fill spots and paid using preferred shares. As much as possible, all expenses are paid for in prefers. When bonds are sold and when profits made, the money goes into a trust account. The profits from sales are used to expand the business. Trust account money is used to pay down member debt. The equity of the debt becomes an asset of the exchange. The member has her debit account increased by the amount of the debt that is paid off. This is paid off as the member creates credits. As members join and assets increase, they can be used to set up additional exchanges. The operation of the exchange always transfers power to the lowest possible level. As power is transferred to the base, citizens acquire control over their political jurisdictions and the state is reduced in size. To understand the basic operation of a Dexterian exchange, we have to imagine entire political jurisdiction restructured using the exchange model. Each economic sector represents a type of exchange. For example, manufacturing is one sector and transportation another. If the transportation sector decides a road is to be built or resurfaced, it hires road workers to make or resurface the road. If a hospital is needed, the exchange transfers the resources needed to build a hospital to the construction exchange. This is simplified somewhat, but demonstrates taxes are not required to produce social goods. State or municipal governments only find the financing to pay the people who do the work. This is unnecessary, at least in an exchange. Exchanges that want a road built, build the road. A community that wants a school built, builds a school by transferring the needed resources to the construction sector. Resources are not created by governments. They exist, whether governments exist or not. The community merely needs a way to transfer the resources needed from the producers of those resources to where they are needed. Exchanges make these transfers naturally. The way a single exchange is capitalized is the same way infrastructure is capitalized in a bigger exchange. It only takes more exchanges to capitalize a complex project than a simple one. No government can build what the community does not have the resources for. All the money in the world cannot build a bridge if the skills and other resources are missing. If the skills and resources are present, a bridge is built in the same way that barn raising builds a barn. The members donate resources and labor through the exchange and are paid for what they give using prefers. Every good and sector provided through the public sector can be provided by exchanges. There is no need for taxes 
because there is no need for a public sector, the administrators of the exchange are well able to allocate resources in an efficient way using the market mechanisms of the exchange. In other words, an exchange is a free market that produces social goods and private goods using the free market.